Good evening and welcome to Fallout Podcast EP23, aka What You Put in Mouth, a lot of things that weren't there, aka fraternizing with a chimp. It's a fall calculation, all 525 songs in acceptance of fundamental champion, direct dismemberment into four stints. 77, 85, 86, 93, 94, 2001, circa 2002, 2017. And with me, as always, Michelle Pippington Beard, the Ace of Wands, perambulating in the big wide world. Bring the goat's blood. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Cheers, pal. I'm, uh, I'm riding the waves. Sweet, sweet. And uh, Lord Sage Temple, carry on up the cold, dark void. How are you, Ezra? As I would expect, a Pemberton Walker over there, hospitable as ever. Armchair bean bags for everyone. I'm all right, Brendan. We're in close this week. Very good. That was a first time for everything. And yeah. aka Tim Three, aka the DJ formerly known as Jay Peel, the body snatcher. He tossed a swine into the lava. How's he? Is he here? He's, uh, he's tuned in and ready to go, man. Good, good. And myself, Tree Beards, the host, carb manager, bird's eye, steam press, sauce, rigoletti and vegetables, broccoli, carrots and corn. Um, <laughs> and joined tonight by a very, very special guest, Sai, a, a good friend of Ezra, who the rest of us don't know yet. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging by a thread, um, but very well. Very good. Sai, what's your uh, what's your deal with the fall? Are you a big fan, a little fan, or a medium-sized fan? I'm none of the above. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm a listener. I'm not yeah, anywhere near as familiar with the fall as, as you guys, obviously. So I, I feel a bit intimidated to be here, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, my, fir my first um, <laughs> introduction was through a very messed up guy um, in London who just took way too much drugs so that I, i'm kind of traumatized listening <laughs> to the full from, from, from an early age on speed and stuff like that um, got ptsd i've got uh, yeah, from the PTSD, and I'm, I'm not sure Ezra's really helped me recover he's very little help in, in that area for <laughs> the best of times i think so but don't Maybe worry i'm splitting hairs but shouldn't that be pftsd exactly we, uh, but we welcome you, Sai. You know, we'll be nice, we'll be gentle, and uh, you know, your opinions are, are as valid as uh, most of the people in the room, more than many of them. Mentioning uh, <laughs> non names. Um, so, up tonight, we have Ludgang off uh, by language B side uh, up against I Feel Voxish off same LP. Um, uh, there's Ghost in My House, up against Sinister Waltz, off Shift Work. Cyber Insect, off The Unutterable, against the Chillinist uh, B-side of Single. And uh, finally, Can Can Summer, up against the past, Hashtag 2. So without further ado, Phil, if I do what I need to do first... Whilst you're doing that, Brendan, yeah. this is episode 23, isn't it? Synchronicity episode. As uh, popularised by Robert Anthony Wilson, who I know uh, a couple of us are, are fans of, which links us back to William Burroughs as well and his Captain Clark anecdote. So keep your eyes peeled for synchronicities in this special episode. Coincidence? Question mark. <laughs> you know it, baby. I do. Give us some lead gang. 
And up first, the original Gang of One, Phil Rigby. What do you make of this song? Oh, well, we're, we're straight into the William Burroughs at the start of this, aren't we? Which is that high-pitched bass tone that just keeps throbbing all the way through this song. I, I absolutely loved it. absolutely loved it. It reminded me a lot of Joy Division, actually, in the, the way it's put together as a tune. Very hooky kind of bass line. Um, I know it gets name-checked here quite regularly. Um, lots of imagination in the record, lots of variation going on in it. So it's a really, really fab, innovative arrangements. They don't make it hard for you to enjoy it, though. It's not like it's contrarian in any way. It's just really elegantly pieced together. And some really great lyrical hooks from Mez as well. Carve a hole in the rain for you. What a fab line to just throw out there. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Really, really enjoyed it. Beautiful. Ezra, what about you? You a Love Gang fan? Oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's aptly named, aptly sounded, aptly performed. It's just a perfect fucking matrix of performance. It's great. Like, it's interesting because the next track has got a lot in common with it as well. Like, on both of them, you'll hear some really ace guitar from Scanlon. I really like the way he's using, like, kind of harmonics in there and just a beautiful, chiming guitar line. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like some form of anti-matter Motown. Uh, like Phil was saying, you know, the carve a hole in the rain for you. It's almost romantic, you know. I mean, you could carve a hole in rain with an umbrella, which you might be proffering to a potential princess or princette, um, princeling. So, yeah, you know, it's just good. Beautiful. Where do you get it from, Esri? It's like he's got a, such a way with this language. Oh, thanks. <laughs> How about you, Top Gear? What do you think of this? Yeah, it's good. It reminded me of some kraut rock, which I know better. Driving Spunky. Post-World War II vibe lyrics, vibe. A standout track for sure. It's beautiful. It uh, has angular bits and poppy bits. I feel like I wrote down hooky, as in playing that bass line really high up. And then the, whatever that other sound is, that's, ah, 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 like that's another bass or a key, I'm not sure, but uh, beautiful. Alistair, what do you make of this? I think it's really good. Um, I think it's a B-side to a single. I don't know which single it is, though. But it really reminded me of Pavement. had that kind of sort of vibe to it. And you made reference to the, I think it's a bass, it, the ben, 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 which really reminded me of the shower scene in Psycho. You know, wah, wah, wah. So you got all that excellent bit going, and then it kicks into a really nice groove. Matt Smith's delivery wasn't overly interesting. It's a fairly standard sort of delivery, no yelps or anything like that to keep it interesting. But yeah, it's not about shaking Stevens going to, uh, into the, the excavate book, basically through ruining cover versions of, of stuff that he liked. Like, but no doubt Richard Mayerly would also like to lay into uh, shaking Stevens, uh, given that great cringeworthy TV moment uh, many years ago. You get some people running to YouTube to find out what that's all about. But Phil... He talks about wanting to land one on Shaking Stevens for what he's done. Could you just queue up the cover versions of Blue Christmas by Shaking Stevens and the one by The Fall? And let's just see which one of these two fellas might deserve more of a slap. Double down in trouble. Without you, I'll be so blue. I, I can't do this, though, I just 
So there is the Welsh Elvis's version for which Mark Smith wanted to do some violence to Shecky. Well, let's have a little bit of listen to the Falls On cover version, which we roundly voted at the bottom of the list, apart from Ezra, who voted it top. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it up to you to decide whether whether Smith was being reasonable with his attack on Stevens. Yeah, sorry, yeah. You can say whatever you want to at the end of the day about shaking Stevens, but Mark Smith never, never played for full Chester United, so we'll leave it at that. Exactly. Not sad. <laughs> that's one way of looking at things, but I would also argue that the ghost of the spirit of Christmas was in full possession of Mark E. Smith's body at the time that that was recorded. Um <laughs> And you know, who's the backing vocal on the on the fall one? Because I I love that especially uncommitted backing vocal. Ned Ludd, Resistance, McDonald's seat, the Housing Association. He sounds like Vic Reeves. That's what I thought when he started singing it. I, I think Vic might have taken a lot from that. It's beautiful. It's a great song. But moving on to I Feel Voxish, which was off the Perverted by Language album. <laughs> Because of that beautiful drum fill in the middle of the verse, I'm coming to you first, Alistair. Yeah, I really like that little uh, drum fill in the middle of the verse. Uh, the drum's quite interesting on it, in respect of it's the two drum setup, but they're both playing exactly the same thing. But it actually benefits somehow from it. Uh, quite like it when they complement each other, they work with each other, steady, straight. Yeah, they're mad at all timing for the, the fill. And yeah, it's a more guitar-led song. The bass is like quite static, just kind of like holding it down with it with the rhythm while Scanlon's doing all the, the donkey work on this one. But yeah, one that I've been familiar with for many years. It's a bloody great tune, isn't it, Brendan? It is, Al. It absolutely is. Ezra, what do you think of this? I'll start with a bit of a side note, like, it's only comparatively recently have I realised that the Fall had two drummers at any stage in their career. 
And that's interesting to me because, you know, you can't really, or what well, rather, I can't really hear it in the recordings. You can hear it on some hex stuff, but it's something that I want to kind of listen for better maybe in the future. This song is fucking brilliant. There's a kind of an amped up noi quality to it. It's got a real kind of deep cherry pink vibe going on to it. Fucking amazing lyrics. Like, I feel voxish, stock healed, Harry Krish. These disgusting vegan new punks caught me like mold. Give me silenced lectures. I've been sharpening a knife in the bathroom on a brick I got from the garden. No one will fuck with me again. Hungry for victuals I couldn't raise nor buy. And the last of them is a quote from a H.P. Lovecraft novel, a short story, interested and delighted to find. And I'm not sure if I've read it. Possible I have, but I don't remember the story. It's about a guy who seeks refuge in a mansion and finds that what he first assumed was an abandoned house is inhabited by some bizarre tramp who speaks in an age-old American dialect he can barely understand and has a book which he shows him, not the Necronomicon, it's a different one. And that's what raises the hunger that victuals could not raise or buy. And that hunger would be human flesh. It's a great story. I can't remember what it's called, though. I can't remember what, what the title was. It's The Picture in the House. Mm. TG, what about uh, what about you on this one? Yeah, I'm a fan. Kind of reminded me of Noi a bit again. I love the lyrics, very apocalyptic, dystopian vibe going on. Yeah, I felt one criticism, the guitar got too repetitive towards the end, but overall, splendid. It is splendid, and repetition is a thing with the fall, and it's, on any given day, it can be too much. We had a song last week called And This Day, which is <laughs> up to 25 minutes of pretty relentless repetition. It's one of those things, if you give yourself up to it, you, you could ride that way, but in, on another day, it can be just, oh, it, it can be awful. But uh, I, I like the guitar on this one. It reminded me of Talking Heads, which uh, I haven't heard much in, in a lot of fall stuff, although they did get compared to them uh, occasionally. But that kind of thing happens um, quite a bit on, the, uh, on some of the early Talking Heads stuff. And we were listening to uh, Remain in Light this week, which is a superb album with a lot of that similar kind of sound. I also put the hooky kind of high bass thing on this one. But I think uh, that, yeah, that era... Hanley seems to be playing a lot of those high kind of bass lines. And those lyrics you wrote in, Ezra, I wrote the exact same ones down. They're absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and just the way it's kind of been stuck together from a, a bunch of little pieces. It seems one line of the verse, and there's a drum fill, and then it goes into the kind of chorus bit. Um, it really throws you off. Yeah, I love it. This is a really hard decision. But whoever was leaving those spikes in his bathroom, <laughs> they're not welcome back. Not now the knives are sharpened. Phil Rigby, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, I picked up on a lot of the same stuff. I didn't pick up on the Lovecraft reference, although I did see that this is not uh, not the last time mold gets mentioned in the lyrics today. There's a little side synchronicity there. Again, very Mancunian production on the record. Lots of Joy Division-esque sounds. Even Happy Mondays. I thought with some of the crossover disco-y guitar, but sort of with the punk aesthetic to it. Really like Scanlon's playing on it. Again, like Ezra was saying with the last one, you can tell they're off the same record, that textural guitar playing, harmonics, drumming going on with it, guitar equivalents of prepared piano where they're playing it beyond the nut of the neck and, and all that kind of good stuff going on. 
So, yeah, I, I just think this smacks of classic from start to finish, this particular tune. I, I don't really think they put a foot wrong with it. The lyrics, I think we've been spoiled this week as well with the lyrics for, for most of the songs, I, I think are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and hooks in, in only the way that Marquis Smith can kind of construct them, the whole offer lyric that he, he makes uh, throughout the song, I, I just think it's fab. I, th- I just think the way it all falls together is, it's like a well-prepared dish, isn't it? Where everything, it feels like one thing rather than lots of individual parts. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest compliment I can give it. Yeah, and I think that production, you know, it makes me wonder, as we spoke before, what Martin Hannett would have done if he got his hands on a few weeks with the fall. <laughs> probably would have ended both of them, to be honest. Smith and Hannett would have probably not made it out of that studio, but uh, something to dream about. What's that, Al? That it would be messy. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Now, we didn't hear from Tim 3. Um, is he still in control of the body? His eyes have rolled right back now, so I think he's ready. Not the Lud going first. Let's give, give us both, yeah. A real stormer. I love the insistent repetition of the high-pitched bass note, which drills through most of the song and a B-side too. Classic stuff. I wish it was double the length at least. We've all said that one. <laughs> and then um, Voxish. Another belter but more subtle and well-rounded. Amazing bass line, and I love the chromatic descending guitar riff that punctuates the chorus. Lyrically, really weird. I love the construction of the track. Really beautiful splashes of colour decorate the thing. Marvellous and understated, but top tier fall sound. So it's our first tough choice of the evening. And coming to you first, Al, you go with Lud or Voxish? I'm feeling Voxish. Oh la la. Phil? Yeah, this is really, really hard. This is really, really hard. But um, I think there is a good reason for Lud being a B-side and for Voxish getting on the album. So my vote goes with... I feel Voxish, Brendan. Ezra and Sai, what do you reckon? Well, going back to what Phil said, yeah, you can understand why Ludgang may have been a B-side from the context of these two songs, but from the context of the album, I can think of another song I would have booted off to get Ludgang on because they're both fucking brilliant. And in the end, basically what it came down to for me was which lyrics did I prefer, which was Voxish, and also the fact that he does this kind of champion squawk right at the very end of the song. You hear it better on the live versions, but he really just goes, and that's kind of the end of the song. That's the other thing that swung it for me. Splendid. Sai, what do you reckon? yeah, it's, uh, I didn't realise I'd have to choose. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, This is difficult. I think they're both really good, so mm, I would go with I Feel Boxish. Okay. Now, your man here, Ezra, he bottled out a few weeks ago and he sp- split his vote. So oh, you can uh, feel free to do that at any time. Now he's set that to <laughs> that precedence. Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, who have I not asked? Me. I've not asked me. I'm going with Lud Gang. Screw you all. And um, what about Tim? Uh, Voxish wins by a nose. Okay, so Voxish goes through. Hooray, hooray, hooray. And now we're up into era two, where we've got There's a Ghost in My House up against Sinister Waltz.
Alrighty, I shall go first on this one. Not even the best 80s cover of this song. When I started rooting around, I found someone else who covered this song about a year or two before, and they did arguably a better version. Snot balls in the video. It seems like uh, you've got a little malevolent elf wandering around next to this blonde ghost mysterious uh, it's a beautiful melody it's a great song it is a it's a splendid single but i don't think they do a great job of it and without the video i don't know if i'm uh don't know if i'm coming back to this one very often so what do you think of this <laughs> I just, i've now got marky smith in that video doing lines from elf <laughs> the elf what's your favorite color yeah I, I really like this song this is a bit unimaginative as a cover it's pretty faithful it's not bad with a capital b it's just a bit phoned in and it's a bit victoria isn't it it's it's a bit kind of we're just going to rock up and do the song and that's like like uh, I think has been chatted about in the bunker this week. It's the the video really is the best thing about it. She's not saying a lot, is it? Not really. Somebody with a camcorder around his house for an afternoon, um, and him in his best silver silver shiny tin. Like, I, I, I really like this song. I mean, it's got the whole Wigan Casino vibe, hasn't it? Because of the because of the song and the history of it and stuff. So it's like I think we've all probably got a soft spot for the song, but, but yeah, it's a bit disappointingly faithful. I thought. Yeah. Ezra, what do you make of this uh, travesty? Well, this is maybe one of the first coincidences of the evening for me. I can't remember exactly, but I think it's there's a possibility that Chillinism could have been the first song I ever heard by The Fall. It's definitely the first thing I ever bought by The Fall. As we'll find out, I think that's one of their best ever tracks. But at the time, you know, I was listening to Radio 1 as a teenager in my room in of an evening, and, you know, there were a couple of shows which would occasionally play The Fall, uh, other than Peel, of course, Mark and Lard, and maybe one other one. And their fucking choices, and it's not, I guess, the DJ's only fault, because The Fall were releasing these songs as singles, were these cover versions, Victoria, Ghost in This House, and Lost in Music. And they really persuaded me that The Fall weren't a band worthy of a deep and committed investigation on my part. And so I delayed my full obsession by probably at least five years. So, you know, there's a lot of thing, reasons for me to hate this song. But I don't. Along with Victoria, its great redeeming factor is the fantastic video, which is like, I mean, on its own, it's a work of art. And the music perfectly mirrors the beauty of the video. But I don't think they can be taken apart. You know, if you take them apart, the song's instantly less interesting and the video is just watching the back of a guy's head uh, with an American girl grinning. <laughs> great locations. Great locations, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I know Manny might be interested in that. It's uh, October 30th, it's Halloween tomorrow, and this came up completely by coincidence, question mark, as did Sinister Waltz. I was really surprised when I pulled them up a few weeks ago and uh, realised that that would be the case. I'm interested to hear what your friend over there has to say. Si, have you heard this before? Is this, have you encountered this? No, this is completely new for me. It's, I think it's hilarious. I, maybe I should try and listen to it, you know, without looking at the video, because that's kind of <laughs> overpowering. Yeah, cute girl. I mean, she made me laugh as well. And yeah, and some nice houses. Do you know who she is? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, who is she? Would someone like to fill me in? It's me. It's me, Ezra. <laughs> you, you. 
You haven't changed a bit. You should put, put more lipstick on next time. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's a good video. It's uh, well worth a watch. Alistair, what about you? Um, it's good cover, I suppose, isn't it? You know, it's uh, like it's been said before, the Victoria thing. It's uh, you know, play something uh, that people might know, cashing in a little bit, really, like um, trying to get a pop pop chart success. Which it, I think they, they did to get pop chart success with us. Did they get the, the, the hit parade? I believe so. Like somewhere in the thirties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just uh, bothering the uh, the pop charts. Slightly, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like an indie pop territory with a, a video on MTV. will show it if you're comparing it to stuff like the Wonder stuff or something like that. It's uh, considerably better, but that's not difficult. Uh, but yeah, it's a groovy northern soul tune done okay. Nice. I wasn't comparing it to the Wonder stuff, but if that, if that, if that helps, maybe I will from now on. Give me a bit it's of perspective. Bag it down a whole few rungs. <laughs> And what does our friend over there on the other side think about this one? He's not, he has got no time for this stuff, has he? He's, he's just come floating through the wall now. Slight and polite cover version that is mixed in a very flat and uninteresting way, but it's quite enjoyable otherwise. The nap sound really puts me off though, and Mark trying to sing isn't exactly endearing to my ears. Flimsy. Flimsy, indeed. And it's up Flimsy. against what on the surface seems like a little bit of a, yeah, an odd outlier but it's very nice in and of itself it's sinister waltz off 1991's shift work It is indeed a waltz. It is in in three, four time. Ezra, what's this do for you? Well, it's fucking great. You know, I mean, I would call this, there's this vein of tracks running through the fall, which I would call electronic music, essentially. And I guess, you know, if you want to call a WMC music concrete, I think it works to my ears, you know. And, and this is continuing in that tradition. The thing I really love about it is, you know, it was released during some stage in the arc of the whole rave thing. To me, it's just the mind of someone who's done a load of pills, smoked a load of skunk and drunk a load of booze. That's it. You know, like, he must come down, he must come down. It, it seems to really capture the zeitgeist of the times within which it was released. And it also sounds wonderful. I love the unabashed, full synth approach of just presets. <laughs> And don't ever come down. Free bass. <laughs> it is presets all the way, isn't it? And someone leaning on the keyboard. <laughs> it's like two different keyboards playing a preset and then just someone falling asleep on the keys. What about you, Top Gear? What do you reckon of this? Yeah, maybe one of the best out of this whole selection. But it's just, yeah, maybe the, the cheesiness and the 
and it reminds you of some like early Castillo since yeah lo-fi great uh, room recording I feel like as well I don't know what's going on how they record it yeah it's good very psychedelic it made its way into my heart after about three or four listens I couldn't quite get my head around it uh, the tinny kind of is that snare in the background with the reverb on it and then those tinny kind of presets and those kind of swells of keys obnoxious kind of one note synth kind of bass going through it uh, but I, I loved it it was fraternizing with the chimp he embraced the hordes from the east apparently he was singing down the telephone i said somewhere i read somewhere ah. that it was recorded down the phone so i don't know how true any of these stories they take it all with a pinch of salt but um yeah it is beautiful and as, as a chill out kind of come down kind of post rave thing it, it i imagine it'd sit nicely on a on a mixtape somewhere. Phil, what about this for you? So I wrote Spiritualized about six years before they do it, because it's just got that, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space vibe for me. And uh, so we haven't done this for a while. So post-cog there for Mark. Uh, well done for spotting that one was going to be uh, a winner. I find it really strangely mesmerising as a, as a piece of music. I did find myself getting drawn into it and sort of just sort of farts its way into a trance, doesn't it? That, that bass line, which I, I, I really enjoyed. And I like the deranged keys that, are, that appear in it. I wondered if he was actually singing over something, the, the sample that comes in at the end, you know, like a kid's music toy or something like that, that he was kind of hijacked for the song. And there's bits of tape recordings going over the top of it as well, that horror's trick that he likes. So yeah, so I found myself getting quite drawn into this. Yeah, I quite like this. It is nicely layered. I, I um, got a Christmassy vibe from it. I don't know. I think that snare with the with the swell of the keys. I'm not sure. I played that uh, that Beck song, "Little Drum Machine Boy," which is a kind of version of Bing Crosby. I, I would have. I would probably dealt with it being a minute or two. I don't know if it went on a bit longer than it needed to, but uh, farts its way into a trance is uh, beautiful gems from all of you fellas tonight. Obviously, I'll chow down on some dictionary this week. Alistair, can you match? the majesty of Phil Rigby's explanation of this song. Can I flip? Um, <laughs> it reminds me of the, if you had Frank Sidebottom jamming with the Cardiacs during the sea shanty. So I did quite like it, yeah. And that might be where you get the, the, the kind of Christmas theme vibe from, because, you know, Frank always did the Christmas thing quite well. Interesting saying it was recorded over the, the, the telephone vocal, because I thought there was vocal feedback in there, so I don't know how you'd do that over a phone, but unless you make it up and turn it up to number 11 through a little crappy gorilla ramp or something like that. Yeah, it'd been interesting to hear this, if they uh, you know, like a different era with a different lineup with a different production. Maybe different words well, and melody. <laughs> oh, God. What, you know, the, like, just, the old sound of it reminded me a bit of, I can't remember who did the cover of Women of the World Take Over, the Ivor Cutler. Um, Jim O'Rourke did a cover version of it that was pretty good. Yeah, he reminded me a bit of that. Because it's just like really short, repetitive, but quite hypnotic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, against Solid, you did it. Oh. Did that. <laughs> Blended. Have we heard from uh, from Timothy 3? We haven't, had have we? No, I, I, I get the, the vibe is a bit grumpy, Brian. He's put Casio demo tracks, board mark, board me. He just, his views are reprehensible, ill thought out. It's like he's been eating nettles. It's like he's been eating nettles, Brendan. <laughs> You, Timothy, get back in bed and get out the right side. Got out the wrong side of the graveyard, hasn't he? 
you know, you've got to give him that. That must be pretty miserable. Exactly. If only he was here to defend himself, but he's not. <laughs> Get back to your nettle patch, Tim. Let's take a vote. I've asked everyone, right? Al, where are you going with this? I'm doing the Sinister Waltz. Indeed. As am I. Phil? Waltz, definitely. Easy, isn't it? Si, what do you reckon? Sinister Waltz. Nice. Yeah. Ezra? It's Halloween. It's got to be the Sinister Waltz. The ghost could also be a Halloween one, though, surely. No, no, no. no. It's scarier. Okay. Which, strangely, Tim, Tim's gone for the ghost. What? Yeah. Normally I'd vote for the original number, but it's really shit, is what he's just daubed on the wall in blood. Fair enough. But anyway, Sinister Waltz has got enough. It goes through easily. So up next, we have Cyber Insect up against the Chillinist. Give us a blast, Philip, if you don't mind. Pip, you're up again. What do you think of this one? So, uh, yeah, I, it's a Burroughs episode, this, for me today. It just smacked of William Burroughs, this, this, all the lyrical references, insects, literary references, films about films, poor more dis- disorientation in the, in the kind of narrative and that. I quite like the music. I thought it was that whole kind of rockabilly thing that they get going, sort of chugs along quite nicely keeps it going, lots of weird sounds in the background, gives it a nice layer of, of texture. And then it, they, they go in the middle of it, they just pull out this sort of Pink Floyd guitar psycho bit, which I, I thought was quite bold and, and worked quite well. And yeah, and then I, I think the backing vocals, that, that little twang just gives it the comish music sort of vibe and it fits together really beautifully. So I, I found myself nodding away to this and uh, I'm quite enjoying it. Sweet, sweet. Al, what do you make of uh, Cyber Insect? Pretty much what Phil was saying. Uh, lots of brushes going on there with a the snare. Kind of like rockabilly with a psych breakdown with like a Joy Division-esque synth going along with it. Like a bit of a cross between the uh, Wing of Fire and Atmosphere uh, with like a bit of a, a city era Floyd middle eight bits. I'm not sure if it's going on about the Millennium Bug or not. Yeah, it did remind me a bit of Tipsy as well. We were going around at the time. Uh, but yeah, the delivery of, of All Right from Smith, that really reminded me of uh, John Prescott after New Labour won in 97 <laughs> at the big conference afterwards. I'm sure that yeah. was a deliberate reference. It could well have been, yeah. But uh, yeah, I quite like this one. Sweet. Very nice indeed. Ezra, what about you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've, in researching, I was looking on a blog the blog the dude who did the uh, Fallen Fives went on to do where he kind of ranks all the albums. And his viewpoint was, oh, if you, he said something along the lines of, oh, if you were a DJ, this would definitely be one that you would always drop in your DJ set. And then I just thought about DJing. I was like, absolutely, I would never DJ this song because it doesn't really have any low end, despite being obviously, you know, music for dancing. 
you know, I think it's like the keyboards are way too fucking high and it would be great to have them cut out a bit and like, you know, get more of, um, more of the bass going because it's a great song. I read somewhere that it's about the time the, the band fell apart in a punch up on stage in New York, but I can't see how that in any way related. Like, um, but I thought in my notes, I've got the fall is a train on fire delayed by its own combustible insanity engine, or just about Marky Smith seeing an EMN Banks novel at a train station, film of film on book rack, book of film, book on station track, cyber insect in its escarpment burning over all planes and trains. It, it's kind of like some um, post-apocalyptic or pre-apocalyptic thriller done with really sparse language. Um, and so that part's great. And, you know, like I could also just listen to a loop of Mark going, come on back for the length of this song. So, you know, it's got that much in that one particular moment. So it's still great. Sweet. Uh, I can get anything out of it about the uh, bust up, the band falling apart, which um, him looking at a, a rack of magazines or books in a train station, yeah, it seems like for a game for a photo song. Sai, what did you make of this? I can hear it's a, a newer production. It kind of conjured images of steampunk for some reason. Yeah, the synths are pretty nice. I didn't really realize that it lacked slow end. It's interesting. I did listen to it with a sub this morning. <laughs> so maybe that helps. Yeah, it's good. It's all right. Yeah, I think it has got like this gliding bass line. It doesn't, the, the bass notes don't kind of stand out. But if you if you do listen, it is kind of, it is in there. But it's, if you listen to the live version, it is much more of a rockabilly kind of track. And then on the studio version, you get these really high in the mix, like wonky detuned keys that um, I really like actually, but uh, it's a strange choice. If you listen to the others on this album that, we, that had that rockabilly vibe, like Hot Runes, which was a bit more straightforward. I think it's a great choice of the guest vocalist. It's um, Kazuko Hoki from um, Frank Chickens, the, the Japanese band but they're based london and a bonus point if you can tell me who she's married to to fall connection carl burns <laughs> very good guess it's actually grant showbiz she's married to grant showbiz and that's why i think she's involved because he was producing the album at the time if you want to know how kind of shall we say uh, obsessive people can get about the lyrics they're on the annotated fall there's about 50 50 messages one after each other discussing whether it is duly knowing or jewelry knowing <laughs> this guy's taking the t the owners of the site to task because they're, they're the gatekeepers of the keys and they won't accept his interpretation it goes on for a bit it's quite amusing i really liked this one but yeah as a dj would you <laughs> what kind of dj is playing this song i don't know it's like a uh, Radio 2, circa, circa 1997, I don't know. It's a bit dated, isn't it? Not bad, though. Up against Chillinist, one of three released versions of this song. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Chiselers single or Chillinism.
What do you make Hello. of this? This is the B-side to the Chisler's single and uh, Light User Syndrome Era 1995. What do you reckon, Al? Yeah, it's pretty good. Bit cryptic. you got that straight sort of beat all the time. Put like glam rock beats in me nose. It's not really glam rock at all, really. It's just it's got that steady, steady beat that's a bit metronomic. Some Gaff Friday sounding vocals on there at times, like, but kind of like the way you, you I sit, some like mad changes in there, a bit kind of um, ADHD at times. You know, the synths in there, it's uh, not too invasive, it's, it's nice and subtle in the background, but I think it's, it's a decent effort with some good sort of progressions in there. Indeed, indeed, Ezra, I know this, as you mentioned earlier, you're a fan of this one. Give it to us straight. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I haven't listened to the single for a, a while and. Uh, when I heard this one, I always kind of assumed it was just an edit of the single. But what I seem to be hearing now is that they're two separate songs that possibly sound almost exactly the same and only differ in their length. And I'll be interested to explore that further because either way, it's it's an absolute fucking bomber of a tune. Fucking brilliant, brilliant fucking track with great weird dynamics, a fantastically pointless, cheesed out techno break, just you know, for, uh, there's no reason for that, but it's just there. And it's good that it's there, you know. And I've off, I've always wondered what the fuck it's about. And in my notes, I put Stones, the father, Floyd, the son, Groblier, the Holy Ghost. So I think he was trying some kind of like Gnostic magic shit here. He was trying to slay the blind god of the universe. I'm pretty sure he wasn't referring to Sid Barrett. And I'm not sure about the rest of those Floydians. Well, as, as we know this week, as we, we did a check of the height of the members of Pink Floyd. They're all <laughs> taller than Mark Smith. And Roger Waters is like three meters tall, something like that. So um, he's a very tall man. So not short in that way. A meditation on Bruce Grobola, essentially. So what did you uh, make to this one? Yeah, the intro is very good. I thought you really have to listen all the way through several times to get a head around it, I reckon. Bit of a mashup, uh, which I like. I don't know, I, th I thought there's maybe some tape manipulation going on there, but then there's the kind of weird breakdowns as well. So it kind of sounds like they, they wanted to make several tracks and just threw it together, kind of failed at making all of them, but then just made something else. I don't know, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wrote that it was a polished turd, that they'd thrown everything at it and nothing works. It all just feels bolted onto this like basic dirgy track. There's this like marching rhythm, like drums and this kind of dirgy bass groove and um, these kind of stadium chords and just trying everything, including some pitch shifter abuse. Grant Showbiz was quoted the same. I was working on Chilliness since Craig Scanlon had gotten a clarinet and we tried very hard to make it work, to get a good sound. Then Mark heard it and said, what the fuck is there a clarinet on this song for? He told us to wipe it off. We played the mix again and Mark was like, this is shit, where is the clarinet? That was the best thing about it. And we've heard that story in various forms along the way. Phil, what do you make to this? I, I really struggled with this. <laughs> kind of working out how to how to talk about it really the first time that i li listened to it through about a minute into it he drops that line of uh, the goddamn jiggler or something and i i couldn't shake off what happened when frank miller did all-star batman if you remember that when he meets robin for the first time and there's that panel where he turns around and says and the goddamn batman which just got pilloried on the internet 
as being one of the worst Batman panels of all time. And I think it does, it kind of feels a bit like that, the whole record where they're just trying things out and everything they try out is pretty dreadful and doesn't work in, in kind of any way, shape or form. Yeah, I, I actually wrote down drops this incongruous techno beat, which I think is what Ezra said as well. Uh, there's complete sea changes through the record, just leave you sort of a little bit confused and you're not quite sure where it's going to go next. And there's skiffle and all sorts being thrown into it. But when Al said about the Gav Friday bit in it, that to me was the only bit that made sense in the actual record. I think it was when Spence was on and he was saying about the cover of Room to Live, making that reference to folk music and the fact that the, what the fall is as a project maybe is is like this contemporary urban folk music done with the same attitude but with different kind of uh, different instruments and technology. I think it, it sort of works like that as a bit of a document of something and, and what's going on and influences and, and that type of thing, maybe a snapshot. But as a piece in and of itself, I, I really struggled with it and nothing seems to kind of hang right on it. And uh, yeah, you do you do feel like you're stirring at a dog shit covered in glitter. So it's not Gavin Friday at the end. I tried to find out who was the only other person credited with vocals is Carl Burns. And I, we've never heard him sing anything like that before, but it could have been. It's definitely not Smith or, or Briggs. Briggs is really trying on this. She's really giving it her all. You can tell that she's like backing vocals and when she's, she mirrors his lines. And um, that's really, really good. But it just doesn't just doesn't hang together. Within a few years, they'd all gone. So Scanlon got sacked essentially around the time of this single. For failure to maintain equipment, apparently he was fired after 15 years. And apparently the only uh, person that Smith ever regretted firing, I think he said at some point. Um, the stones are short. I don't know. Where are we going with this one? What's, uh, what's your mate over there? Thank you, Phil. He's a... Uh... The opinion, a dry hump in the hip club, not a promising central line for a song, and it doesn't seem to be strong enough to warrant a prog odyssey. That said, it's fun. I actually like the cut-up nature of it and appreciate the sudden shifts of mood. I also like the fact that this album was produced with some guts. It might be a bit of a polished turd, but I can't help but enjoy the silliness. So uh, he's making reference to the cut-up thing as well. Coincidence? Question mark. Question mark. I did like the bassy synth the end bit and i have read that this is the fall's bohemian rhapsody whereas anyone with a pair of ears could hear that bohemian rhapsody is made out of three wonderful pop rock songs this is made out of three different pieces of shit um ezra where are you going with this well you know despite your terrible panning i'm going with chillinism because it's fucking awesome fantastic Sai, what about you? Uh, Chillinist, just for the heck of it. Good, good. Phil? It's a bit of a glorious mess, that. But uh, as we were talking about it, I still had Cyber Insect going around my head. And I had to keep ignoring Cyber Insects as I was talking about Chillinist. So I'm going with Cyber Insect. Mm, Interesting. Alistair? I'm also going with Cyber Insect. (laughs) What about Tim 3? Pam, pam, So we're 2-2. Where's Tim 3 going? Chillinist, but only just... And regardless of what I've said about it, I'm also going with Chillinist. So Chillinist goes through. <laughs> oh, the old switcheroo. <sighs> Ezra owes me one. Can Can Summer. Outside life. Back to the town is 
Can-Can Summer, or whatever it's called. So, do you know what my favourite film of the 80s is, Brendan? Goonies. I, I, I'm not ignorant of film. You know, I know me Kubrick, Bellini. Do you know what I mean? Eight and a half inches. I know what did what you say? About, lad. Anal Adventures 4. <laughs> hey, don't, don't pass that. I've seen Kez, you know. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is my favourite movie of the 80s. The uh, all-female reboot. soundtrack. No, mate. That's not made of the 80s. That was 2006. It's for me. The original. The original Ghostbusters. Tell part. us more. And Tell us more about Ghostbusters, <laughs> Phil. When this song kicks in, it just reminds me of a song that could fit on that soundtrack. <laughs> the, I, I, I'm not quite sure what they were going for, but it, it's when you were saying the other day about what's that quote from Mackie Smith about pavement? That's who they go to when they want a song for an advert that sounds like the fall. Yeah, this yeah. is like they've come to the fall and said. Can you do us a Dire Straits song? Oh, like, yeah. Dire Straits. Um, <laughs> no, we can't. I, I'm assuming, given the title of the song, they're going for a can sound with this, but it feels to me more like James Chance occasionally straying into Robert Palmer in places. And I just, I think you're going to have to face it, Brendan, that, <laughs> that this band is addicted to doing these kinds of things. Good save. The, the break... With the my boss thing they've done before, and uh, I've done it better. I could I could hear Bowie going on in this as well, but I did like the lyrics, and I like the fact that he he goes, "I'm shouting." It's like that New York thing, isn't it? I'm walking here. It's like that. Uh, I, I do like that attitude that he's got in the lyrics and the the kind of I feel love break that they go into as well. They, they try to do the psychedelic guitar thing again, but I don't think it works as well as it does on the other records. But it's it's boppy and, and nice, and I like some of the bits in it, but it, it kind of doesn't quite feel right for a fall tune. I catch up, I change back, I cha-cha to the left, cha-cha to the right. <laughs> Everybody clap your hands, hands, clap, 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 clap your hands. Clap, 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 clap your hands. All right, now, we're going to do the basic step. To the left. The two best things about this are how unenthusiastic everybody who's dancing in the video is. And secondly, the fact that they have to keep putting the word funky up on the video just to remind you that it's a funky tune. It's, it's great. That's what it reminded me a lot of. There's this energetic driving drums and the funky hi-hats, but it's just got such a whiff of pub rock. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it just, you get a shaking and you replace all the members by lads from down the pub and get him to play I Feel Love. And <laughs> this is what you'd end up with. And it, but Smith's, Smith's the best thing on it. Eleni uh, does some nice stuff on there as well. But apparently it, it started off as a can sample they were playing over, I think. But this town is anti-life. Nice layered Vox interplay I have written. So, si, what do you reckon to this uh, Can Can Summer effigy? 
Yeah, I wrote down it's quite American, but I'm not sure what I meant. The interlude was perfect. There's a kind of weird interlude, I remember. Vocal support was very cute. It's interesting what you just said about the drop and then my boss. I feel like I'd heard it before, but I'll leave it there. Yeah, so the, the backing vocals on that one is, is Eleni, who's his wife, who joined the band around the time. The woman earlier in the video for There's a Ghost in My House was his first wife bricks who was she they were both in the band and the breakdown I, li I liked a lot and i did write down i feel love even though that's probably a bit generous to be honest let's see what tim thinks and then we'll go to al so tim has put i love this groovy and messy with those wonderful buried eleni chants too funky and deranged also bonus points for the my boss as the imagination of a gnat bit i get the feeling that I like this album as a whole more than you lot. I wonder why. Coincidence? Question mark. I don't know why. It is. It's that pub rock whiff that I just can't get over. Ezra, what do you think of this song, Can Can Summer, off Imperial Wax Solvent 2008? Yeah, it's some kind of unholy amalgam, to my mind, of I Want More by Can and some beef art stuff like maybe off clear spot or something this track and the next they really kind of convinced me that i think that, that aside from mr smith the real centerpiece of the band for me in this period is then wife eleni who's like synth playing is just fantastic i mean like up until this point synths in the fall have tended to be cheesy but i don't find any of her synth playing to be in any way near as egregious as what came before her. And, you know, that's with the utmost respect to all full synth synthesists. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I, uh, to me, you know, Marky e. Smith's vocal delivery and the fact that he seems to be having such a good time endears me to it, but I'm not sure if I've got much appetite for it on a regular basis. Yeah, we've talked about this a few times, right? That it seems like this era, he was very, very happy with the band. And it's exactly what he wanted, but, but it, it isn't what we want. But a lot of Fall fans, they got a lot of um, a lot of love in this era. What I was going to say in, in terms of uh, synthesists and respect, um, whoever managed to sneak in that madness style jaunty pub piano into Ludgang at the beginning, I don't know how they managed to get through that that through the filter. But um, yes, I'm with you, Eleni. A great counterpoint to the to the meaty macho-ness of the rest of the band. Hey, Al, what do you think of Can Can Summer? This is the point where I should write this shit down because I start to lose where I'm up to. Al, what do you think of Can Can Summer? Yeah, it's a groovy little tune. It uh, reminds me a bit of um, kind of like Blockheads uh, in some respects, which probably goes into the pub rock uh, Thing that you've been mentioning because it is it's dead muso but it's not awful kind of jules all and wanky muso though I mentioned before american sounding uh reminded me a bit of sort of like boss hog or uh, like blues explosion uh, explosion kind of acne era well produced there's a lot of stuff going on in it it's all right that it is and it's up against the past off country on the click formerly known as the new fall album previously from 2003 Watch you, put in mouth. Put in mouth a lot of things that weren't there. Free assumptions don't bring a harvest. But I love the justice and proud and proud of melancholy. Don't speak. Just think. You 
The feeling that makes you an intelligent species. Truther, the invention of a layer. Captivating in high heart juicing justice. The layer down layer strikes back. Your neck is growing. Oh, only humans. Toby Cooper's back. This time, he's singing the blues. Top Gear, as is the last track of the evening, I'm going to uh, ask you to go first and give us your opinion on the past number two, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm really honoured. I thought it was great, but um, the Casio's that Casio since came back again, didn't it? Um, which yeah. was pretty nice. I liked it. I don't know. Whatever he's saying, it just sounds like he's taking the piss. I enjoyed it. Ezra, what, what do you make of this? Well, like the previous track, it's just so charming and ticklish that you get to hear Happy Mark gargling tar <laughs> in this period. Again, to compare it to the previous track, which was, to be fair, lyrically pretty weak by full standards, I would say. Um, you know, delivery perfect, but the lyrics to this, and which I hadn't, I, I hadn't even heard this song before, um, before this podcast, have become are fucking great. They're fucking brilliant. In an evening where we've really had pretty impeccable lyrics all the way cover version and previous song aside um this one completely stands up it stands up so much so that i just could not fucking choose which one to quote so i'm gonna look at the lyrics now and i won't read the whole thing but i'll just find something which is good i mean yeah what you put in mouth a lot of things that weren't there pre-assumptions don't bring a harvest but i love the justice and falling for the melancholy, the feeling that makes you intelligence, species, truth, the invention of a layer, captivated in ha-ha juice, injustice, <laughs> the lie-down liar strikes back. Your neck is growing Oh, Only humans carry their vest around. Apparently, the I think the actual lyric is fast, but I prefer to say vest uh, in the tradition of Marky e. Smith himself. And it's just brilliant. I mean, that thing about like the one, what was it? One more layer of truth or it like, it seems like there's something quite deep going on there. And I'm really going to devote a lot of time moving forward to thinking about that. Beautiful. And I think he really is musing on the notion of memory, like the abdominizers and private investigators. He, abdominizer, which he hasn't said since Noel's chemical effluence. 15 years earlier, he'd kept that one in his pocket. So great. So apparently, the, the, well, there is a version, if you listen to the country on the click, which was the one that it, it leaked online. So he went bonkers and, and he um, shelved it and did a whole series of remixes and then released um, the new Fall LP, formerly Country on the Click, which is the, which in this song, if you listen to the first version, it's a full-on rocker. It's a meaty rocker, but he stripped out the guitar and most of the bass from the original recording and added that this is, uh, I don't know who wrote this, but, and then added a new lead vocal track that is riddled with <laughs> deliberate mispronunciations. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. And I love his Tommy Cooper voice. It's a great, great track. Phil Rigby, what do you think? On the last one, Ezra referenced I Want More by Khan, but I, I think this absolutely smacks of it. In fact, so much so, let me just play a little bit. And then the listeners can make up their own mind, eh? Everybody, 
Coincidence. Mark. I think this is magical, this song. And I think we could do a special just on the lyrics. I, I think it, it really reminded me of the conversation that we've had a few times, Brendan, about the difference between Lovecraft and PKD, who are two things that he kind of plays all the time in optimism and pessimism. So, well, as we read a chunk from the start, I'm, I'm just going to read a little chunk from the middle. Pictureless memories dissolve in a panic. Motif, the one can see oneself in the mould. It can be different. All boys and girls dead too. The one can see oneself in the world. It can be different. I just think that last little line where he flicks it, the, the optimism, it's it's like that cosmic pessimism and, and PKD sci-fi optimism fighting it out in, in one verse alone. And I, I, that, the reference to mold and Lovecraft and the, the, the deconstruction of saying something's going to be a motif and then repeating it at the end of the, of the verse as well. I just absolutely adore the lyrics to this. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to a future special where we deep dive into one of the song's lyrics and this is probably my nomination for that. Oh, yes, I like that idea. Very sweet. Let's put this podcast into a quadruple figures, shall we? Alistair, what do Hello. you think? Yeah, dead minimal. I quite like that aspect to it. I didn't remind me of, of cancer much more than monks uh, because it, it was that real basic sort of minimal driving kind of thing. But with uh, Smith doing the hellfire preacher kind of, uh, I know, I told you so kind of stuff uh, in, his t- in his usual Tommy Cooper voice. Um, this. Not much to dislike about it, in my opinion. But having said that, you know, my opinion counts for very little more to the time. When it comes down to the vote, I think it's going to be uh, past two for me on this one. I think you're muted, Brendan. Great. Mm. <laughs> I have no idea what you said, because it was over there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you know. Fair enough. Shit was spot on. I couldn't yeah. agree more. <laughs> <laughs> what does your imaginary friend say, Phil? Uh, let me just close my eyes and think, regress into the memories. The past. I love the messier and more experimental stuff on our NFLP. And this is a highlight. Firing idiosyncratic Mark Bucks, the band chants and bitch basic keyboards dive on. Only humans carry their fast around, their past around. True that. One of the best on record whoops as well. Top tier fall. Indeed. Well, let's take a vote, shall we? Phil, what do you reckon? Can Can Summer or the past? Past. Sweet. I'm going for the past as well. Tim's going for the past, I'm guessing. Yeah. Al. Past. Ezra and Sai. It's the past, the past, and the past for me. I don't know about Same. Excellent. So it's a clean sweep. So that means um, I feel voxish, sinister waltz, the chillinest, and the past to go through. We've got a few minutes, a couple of minutes. Why don't we choose our favourite track of the evening? Phil, what's your favourite? Out of all of them. Out of all of those. Because it reminds me of Ghostbusters. Very good. Good choice. In the grand tradition of choosing a favourite song that we didn't vote for. Tin um, 3 is, but look, it's all gushed out of me. <laughs> He's never wanted to hold back. Alistair, what's your favourite out of the, the whole shebang? So probably I feel Foxes, but it's a very boring choice, isn't it? I'll let you have another one. You're happy with it? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Insect as it's pretty much up there with it. Nice. Very good. Good, good. Ezra, how about you? Uh, I'll go with Sinister Waltz because it's Halloween. Mm, it is indeed. You know there's a ghost in my house could equally be a Halloween track. 
that's your criteria. No, my criteria is sinister. <laughs> I see. And Sai, what do you? What's your favorite track of this evening? Uh, it's difficult. I wasn't prepared, but maybe Sinister Waltz. Not mm. not necessarily the best track, but I just I want to be contrarian. So yeah, I think it's up there for me. I think either that or Ludgang. I think we're going to with Ludgang because um, even though we're saying goodbye for now, I really enjoyed it. I'll be going back to that one. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed listening. I'm a new I'm new full fan. I feel excellent. Well, appreciate yeah. you coming on. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Yeah, I feel very privileged. Yeah, you're obviously hardcore fans, so. Yeah, well, you're welcome back anytime. So we'll, we'll see you around sometime. Um, chaps, from next week, the clocks go back in England town. So Al and Phil, you'll be on half an hour earlier. Me and Ezra will be on half an hour later. I'll cut this riveting bit out of the final episode, maybe. I might. <laughs> Hey, Rob, I know. I was the best one thing in the world. He's a master. 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 He's a